the leading universities establish investments vehicles like MIT, Stanford, Berkeley, and, uh, and so yes. on. Yes. So like, listen, guys, this is what's going on around the world. Leading universities creating a VC. Wow. Now, wh why are they doing that? I guess there are two main reasons. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by JVentures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley and is sponsored by Leumitech, Hippo Insurance, Turing, Upwest Labs, and Hillel at Stanford. Academic institutions are no longer just for academic papers and research. They are now investing and are deeply involved in the tech ecosystem. Meet Nimrod Cohen, the managing partner of Tel Aviv University Ventures. Nimrod is a serial entrepreneur and investor. He is the managing partner at TAU Ventures, the Tel Aviv University investment vehicle. Previously, he was a partner at Plus Ventures. Nimrod has participated in more than 60 investments in portfolio companies over the past eight years in companies such as Bring, Yotpo, WSC Sports, Simagin, House Party, Coralogix, and more. Nimrod Cohen, good morning. Welcome to my show. How are you? Good morning. All good. Happy to be here. I have to say that I love the office from the family pictures to the marshal to the drinks. It's, it's a beautiful office. Are you in the Tel Aviv, Tel Aviv University Ventures office now? Yes, yes, it is. And, and, and I guess this is pretty much uh, reflects uh, who I am, you know? I haven't thought about it, but once you uh, brought it up, I guess all the way family, music, drinks, having fun. Exactly, I love it, I love it. But, but really, there's another big part of you that we're still missing from here, which is the basketball player part. Guess what? You, so be... <laughs> See? Oh, of course. <laughs> Nimrod, you start your career actually as a professional basketball player. Today you're the chairman of Apol Ramat Gan, right? And a team that, you, that you've been following for many years. Tell me a little bit about how you, how you get started with basketball and, and then we'll have to figure out this weird transition into, you know, serial entrepreneur now, one of the, one of the top early stage investors in Israel. So, so I, I have to understand this whole rundown. Well, I'll try to understand together with you. Let's see. So uh, actually, I started to play basketball when I was like six years old, you know, as a, as a kid, just playing around with uh, my friends. One thing led to the other. I focused uh, my entire childhood on basketball. I was sure I'm going to make it to the NBA. You know, it was back in the 80s, 90s, you know, Michael Jordan, uh, stuff like that. So I was sure I'm going to make it to the NBA. And... Uh, well, obviously, it never happened, but uh, uh, I, I never say never, Nimrod. Never say never. Well, I'm, never I say never. actually, I give up. I give up. <laughs> Not going to happen. <laughs> um, so I, I, I took championship with Blich, one of the leading high, uh, high schools in Israel, and I was sure, okay, things are going that way. That's the only thing I'm going to do in my life. I'm not going to work like in a real, uh, real job. I'm going to make uh, millions out of basketball. I went to a special unit at the army for like uh, for athletes when they basically do close to nothing and they allow you to continue play basketball. Somewhere around that, I realized that okay, I'm not gonna make it to the NBA. Uh, so maybe it's a good idea to think about uh, some alternatives. Uh, but I was I, 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 I play basketball okay, so I was like okay, so let's continue play professional basketball. Let's make a living out of it, but let's combine it with some other stuff. So I studied uh, law and business, and actually it was kind of fun when I'm making nice money while my friends are going being uh, waitress and uh, stuff like that. You know, uh, 
so I felt like, uh, you know, that, that was fine for that uh, period of time. And uh, after I did my uh, internship, uh, I studied law and business at the IDC, and then I did my internship. During my, right. actually, during my, uh, my internship, I started my first startup, but it was like, I wasn't aware that I'm starting a startup, actually. Um, one thing led to another. I had a friend who was focusing on, uh, he was an expert on the stock exchange and uh, stuff like that. And uh, so we created a website here in Israel uh, without business plan, without uh, thinking how we're going to make money out of it. It was just like some fun. And uh, it was kind of successful. I mean, we're talking about 2005, 2006. And we sold it after 18 months. So I was like, well, that's nice. I mean, you invest a small amount of money. You smell, you sell, you sell it too much uh, for much more. I'm onto something, right? I mean, how can people go to <laughs> it, regular it's job? A, it's I mean, a great model. Okay, I got it. <laughs> and uh, and actually, then it was like a unique situation. It sounds like fun because, I mean, so we sold the companies, but it wasn't like a huge exit. It's not like okay, now you can relax and uh, retire. Um, uh, it helped us buy our first apartment, which is great, and uh, and I'm uh, happy about that. But I need to have a job. I need to pay, pay, pay my uh, bills and stuff like that. But on the other hand, everyone expects to you, I don't know, to do something huge. You just sold your first company. I got a phone call from the IDC. Now it's time to give back and stuff like that because they were like, uh, sure wow. that it was, uh, yeah. <laughs> so for four, for four years or so, I was kind of not sure what is it that I'm doing. I was involved with several startups. At least this is what I told myself and, and the others. I practice yoga like four times a week, something like that. Now, I guess I guess it sounds like, well, that's like the, the perfect thing that you can do. You're about 30 years old. You practice yoga four times a week. You just sold your company. That was now, I can tell you that that was the worst period of my life when I, when I, when I look really? back. Yeah, I guess because... No. You know, I, have to, I have to understand that. I guess you are 30 years old. You are in the beginning of your career. You look around, you see everyone's doing like the right stuff. Okay, so the guy in the high tech uh, got his uh, uh, bigger car now because he got a better job, and the guy uh, that went to the law firm just got a raise and get some more money, and so, and and everyone's doing like the the regular paths. And you're like, okay, what, what is it that I'm doing? I mean, uh, what, what am I? Am I entrepreneur? Am I uh, a, a lawyer? I, I'm not sure, honestly. And uh, so I was doing that for about four years. And uh, I was lucky enough that one of the startups that I was involved went pretty good and, uh, and we sold as well. It was a little bit bigger. Again, not a huge thing, but it was nice. And, uh, and then uh, I really believe that most of the things that happen to us in life happens by coincidence. It's not, I mean, we have plans and stuff like that, but at the end of the day, I don't know, you get to know your wife because you decided to go to that bar and not that bar and stuff like that. Um, so my brother met uh, this guy uh, that uh, is an experienced uh, investor here in Israel and he's his friend and he met him and he just told him that, uh, listen, we bought an incubator. We're, we're looking for someone to manage the incubator and to become our partner at Plus Ventures. So my brother asked me, do you think it's something that uh, might make sense for you? So I was like, well, I have no idea what it means to be an investor because with my startups, we never raise money. So I was like, but let's meet him. So uh, I met him and his partner, Doobie. And uh, after two days, we decided, listen, this makes sense. Let's work together. So all of a sudden, I became an investor. You know, I had no idea what it means, uh, actually. 
Um, so I was there for five years at Plus Ventures. Everything that uh, wow. I know, actually, I learned from from Duby and Yossi, my partners there. We invested in about 40 companies during the period of five uh, years. Uh, some uh, wow. some kind of successful companies like Housebody, Otpo, uh, WSC Sports, Simage yeah. uh, and CoreLogics, you know. You, actually, Yotpo, that was our uh, first investment. Now it's like a really big company. I'm always saying that we need to stop there after the first investment, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we had like 30% of the company. We were the first investor. We had 30% of the company. Wow. Yeah, that's... Uh, Unbelievable. That's that's crazy. So that was uh, that Plus, uh, Plus Ventures uh, period for five years. I had a lot of fun. And uh, then I got the situation that uh, I was invited to Miami by Tel Aviv University. Um, they had this conference in Miami. They called it Connecting Two Ecosystems in Miami, Connecting the Miami Ecosystem in the Israeli Ecosystem. And they invited me to, uh, to talk about the Israeli Ecosystem. So, uh, you know, that's an easy, easy decision to go to a conference in Miami. So I was like, yeah, of course, why not? Of course. And so I went there, and uh, after the conference, the, the guys from Tel Aviv University, they, they uh, told me that Tel Aviv University really uh, wanted to do the next step in terms of uh, innovation, entrepreneurial, stuff like that. And they're not sure what to do, so we started to think of that together. And then you can, I can talk for hours, so you feel free to stop me. Uh, I, I can listen for hours at this point, so please, Nimrod, <laughs> keep going. Yeah. So, uh, um, I realized that in the U.S. there's a huge trend where uh, the leading universities establish investments vehicles like MIT, Stanford, Berkeley, and, uh, and so yes. on. Yes. So, like, listen, guys, this is what's going on around the world. Leading universities creating a VC. Wow. Now, wh why are they doing that? I guess there are two main reasons. First, so many great things going on around those universities, you know, among students, alumni, technologies, they have great brands, so they attract uh, the entire ecosystem and so on. So. You have uh, an advantage of, of uh, recognizing great stuff before others. And on the other hand, when right. you invest in someone, you have a huge university behind you. You can offer your entrepreneurs much more than money. You can offer them everything around the university from the great brand connections, uh, open doors, knowledge, uh, workforce, offices, just it. It's, an, it. it's an endless list. So they were like, okay, that sounds, uh, that sounds a good idea. Go for it. Good luck. Uh, so, uh, the idea was, and the, actually the toughest part was to create an entity that works well around the university. I don't know how well you know university. This is very, uh, usually very bureaucracy, uh, uh type of, uh, uh, yes. environment. And at the end of the day, if you want to invest early stage startups, I mean, you, you can't have bureaucracy. You can't have long uh, processes. You can't have, right. uh, you know, stuff right. like that. So I was happy enough that the university gave me like a, um, um, actually everything we needed. And we created this entity, Tower Ventures, which is fully independent. We raise money from investors from all over the world, US, Canada, most of the money is coming wow. from Japan. And, uh, and the GP, the general partner, basically it's a new entity that we created uh, uh, fully owned uh, by the university. I'm the partner of the university at, uh, at the GP. So we act like a regular VC in terms of uh, 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 carry, you know, the return that we get, managing fees, stuff like that. They're going to measure us by the returns that we create to our uh, uh, investors. 
But we have all the benefits of having a university with us, uh, as I mentioned before. So that's uh, that's the that's the main idea. And uh, wow. the idea with our venture is to invest early stage, a couple of hundreds of thousands of dollars in each company, uh, really open and wide in terms of field of interest. We're not doing stuff that requires a lot of time and money to uh, get to the market, like uh, medical devices, pharma and stuff like that. Other than that, we're really open and wide. Um, usually the first check have to have up to a half a million dollars. So we've been around for a little bit more than two years. We invested in 17 companies so far. Um, so far, so good. We are about to uh, raise our next fund in the coming uh, month or so. Um, we're happy to support entrepreneurs. I mean, uh, part of our agenda is to uh, create an ecosystem, not just being a VC that gives money and expect return, but to create an ecosystem around us that includes not only that we invested in by the entire ecosystem uh, to bring the industry as close as we can to create this triangle when we have entrepreneurs, academy and industry. Um, so usually now it's Corona days, it's a little bit different, but usually there are like tons of people around every day here that we try uh, that we try to help and to uh, uh, create a real, uh, real value in the ecosystem because we see that there's a little gap uh, these days. Uh, there are many great uh, funds are really great funds that uh, raise like a hundred, a hundred plus million dollars. Usually they write checks of somewhere between two to five million dollars. Um, there's a lot of competition there. There's a lot of money there. But if you are like a, a little bit earlier than that and you need like uh, to do like a million dollar round, million point five, you need someone to uh, lead or to follow with the five hundred thousand dollars or so. There are not that many players around. So we try to, to fill up uh, this gap uh, here in Israel. We're doing the best we can, and I hope, uh, I don't know, I hope we're doing an okay job. Wow, Nimrod, so many, so many thoughts that I have already. So first of all, I, I, wa I want to go back and, you know, reiterate on this idea of the, of, you know, the coincidences. And you're saying that at the end, you know, we can, you can plan as much as you want. And there is obviously the, the famous saying, I don't know if there's also in English, but I know in Hebrew, you can laugh, you can, you can plan all you want, but then God laughs at you at, at the end, right? Uh, but then, but, you know, this mentality and this, you know, behavior of just accepting, you know, the different opportunities that are presented to you, whether it is, you know, meeting Doobie at Plus Ventures and saying, okay, well, you know, two days later, yeah, let's go and I'm going to become an investor. Teach me whatever you can teach me. And then going to Miami and saying, you know what, actually, there's a cool opportunity here and, and getting that approval and running now with Tau Ventures. And, and I'm constantly seeing the amazing work that, that Tau Ventures is doing. And pretty much every, every early stage entrepreneur that is starting out is talking about Tau Ventures and how it would be an, an amazing partner to have. And I recently also spoke with Laura Smolier from the, from Berkeley, who runs their their VC and Catalyst over there. And and I mean, it makes perfect sense. I mean, you you're working at an institution. You're both a VC that has all the perks that a VC can provide, but you also have the university backing you, which is not just you know a good brand. It, it's it's you no, know, it's knowledge, it's expertise, it is it, it is different resources, it's different you know academic academic people that are really great thinkers. And I and and, and more than anything. I mean, you have access to really brilliant minds within and, the, you know, the due, the due diligence process can turn from, you know, this five meeting arena to now, okay, well, we've been following this student, we can see, we can talk to the professors, we can see what, what they're like, and you have much more insight. What, what is some of your process as you go and, and talk to these early stage entrepreneurs? Because it's really early. I mean, first check, right? I mean, some of them, this is the first time, some of them it's serial. What is sort of the mentality that you go into this the, the, this conversation of figuring out, okay, is this a person that I really want to trust, you know, in this five to 10 year journey now as a first check investor? Well, that's a, 
an easy and tough question because I can give you right. like a 10 minute speech of uh, all the checklists that you need to have uh, in a team or a founder. But I can be honest and tell you that this is just something that you feel after a minute in a room. You know, it's pretty much like uh, any other uh, relationships that you have in your life. And after a minute or two that you talk to someone, actually, sometimes you don't really have to talk. You just, I don't know, there is something around uh, in the air. You feel that if this is someone that you want to spend some time with, you want him to be your friend, your uh, wife, your uh, uh, whatever it is. And uh, I think at the end of the day, it's pretty much the same. And then you try to set up the facts that uh, are going to be uh, like uh, accordingly to your, uh, your feelings. Uh, so it starts with right. something that you just feel. And I can tell you from, from the past that I, I've made many mistakes in the past, you know, like when we saw like a great product in a very interesting field and the team was like, okay, so we were like, let's invest and let's help them. Maybe in a later stage, we replace the CEO and I don't know, it's such a cool product that we have to invest. It's not going to work. Never. On the other hand, I can tell you that there are examples that uh, we, we see a team like top, top team and um, the product is like, okay. And we're like, oh, that's, that's totally okay. Because I really right. believe that the product is overrated. At least in the stages that, that we invest, the product is overrated. Yes. Because I invested in about 60 companies in my career. I think none of which is doing exactly what they, they, they told that they're about to... Uh, right, right. I mean, and it's not because they're liars. I mean, some of them are liars, but this is uh, something for another <laughs> episode. Uh, it's, it's, it's because, you know, that's life. I mean, it's, it's unrealistic to expect that they're going right. to do exactly what they expect before they start the development, before they meet the market and so on. So first, it's something that you just, uh, that you just feel. But obviously, there are some checklists that you need uh, uh, that you need to have. Like the team needs to cover the the, the, the core aspects of the of the startup. I mean, uh, if it's uh, it, it requires unique knowledge in a specific field of technology, you want it to, to be part of the uh, uh, of the founders. You don't want them to buy it from from uh, the outside, for example. Right. You don't need to have a designer right. because you need to have a design website. You can buy that, but. Uh, you need to have the, the, the core stuff uh, as part of the of the founders. You want to make sure that there are not too many founders. You want to make sure that basically each one of them brings something else to the table, and it's not like they decided to go together because they are good friends. And uh, but the, the, the both or the three of them have the same uh, skill set. Uh, it's better if they know each other for a while and not just met like a month ago. I mean, that's that sometimes it's okay and it can work, but it's better to, uh, you know, that they have some mileage, they went through ups and downs together and, uh, uh, and stuff like that. Um, again, it's an endless list, but at the end of the day, just something that you feel after a couple of minutes. Right, Nimor, I do have to say that I think that, that really, I think what you're saying is, is exactly it. And I, th- I felt it the same way. And I think that, you know, the other people that have been on the show from early stage, you know, startups that they, they've also have the same mentality that I think it's, it's a lot of it. It's about the relationships. It's about the intuition. It's about the trust. The team that you're presented with is this the team that you believe will, will make it, you know, through this five to 10 year, you know, marathon. And it doesn't really matter what they've accomplished necessarily in the past three months, right? Because those three months, while they may have some indication over the next five years, it's, a, it's really about, you know, the cohesion of the team. And it's about whether you, you trust that this team with the seven or 12 pivots that they're going to have to make, whether they'll power through them with transparency, 
you know, with humility and responsibly. And so, and I completely agree with, with your outlook. And at the end, you can give checklists all you want, but at the end, every team will have a diff, will fulfill a different checklist. And you can always find the right anomalies. And, and uh, I think that that's one of the most exciting things about investing in early stage companies. You really are a partner of the company. You know, sometimes when you invest in, in series A, series B, series C, you know, you're looking at spreadsheets. You have really deep down analyst, analysts. Mm-hmm. At that point, really, also, you can say, okay, well, maybe it's, maybe it's right to bring a different leadership. Maybe now that the company is growing tremendously, maybe the founding team isn't the most critical part of this business because you need a business acumen person. But at the stage you're at, it's all about that person sitting in front of you with a whiskey or a beer or a coffee and being able to talk honestly and to be able to think, okay, how can we actually, you know, make this a reality? Uh, Nimrod, uh, I have, before we leave, I have to ask uh, two minutes about, you know, about uh, Apol Gamadgan. You're still involved with basketball. How do you combine your two passions? What do you do over there? So uh, maybe that's the startup that I'm most proud of, actually. When we just uh, re-established Apollo Ramadgan a couple of years ago, it was a huge uh, brand here in Israel back in the 70s and the 80s. They used to compete with Maccabi Tel Aviv, and uh, they disappeared uh, somewhere around the 80s. And a couple of years ago, we decided to re-establish it in a, in a model where the fans are the owner of the team. So I came back and played like Michael Jordan, you know, retired, came back to play. And uh, then we went up from fifth division all the way to second division, and I was like, okay, that that becomes too uh, 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 too ex- um, serious for me again. So I retired, and then I became the chairman of the team for a couple of years. <laughs> and actually, I felt that uh, wow, that was so much fun, but it was so hard. You know, being a chairman of a team, honestly, basically, it sucks. You know, ninety percent of the time. <laughs> It's it's the worst thing that can happen to you. I mean, uh, the 10% of fun is like, most of the time it covers the 90%. But about a year ago, I decided, okay, that I had enough because I'm a real fan. It's not just I'm enjoying managing a, a basketball team. It's not it's not about that. I mean, and because I felt it, it's uh, starting to affect my personal uh, life. So I was like, listen, I, I, I did my part. Let's uh, let's give it to others. Uh, so I step, uh, step aside a bit. I'm trying to help as much as I can, but it's not uh, like, any part of my daily uh, routine or so, uh, but uh, you know, Poron guys is a huge uh, is a huge part of me. I mean, you're, you're not getting to pick your uh, your team. It's something that you just you know, uh, some sometimes in your in your life you just got connected and that's it. I mean, you're lost. I think one of the biggest inspirations here is this idea that you're passionate about something. Something is a core part of you, and you just make it happen. It doesn't even matter. You know, it doesn't matter if today you're the chairman or before. The, for, the, being in the grassroots and, and getting it going and, and, and making it a reality. And, and, you know, I'm sure that, you know, the, the, you know, the tens of thousands of, of Apollo Gamadgan fans, you know, they owe you a great debt for, for just, you know, having that, having that charisma and that, you know, chutzpah to go and actually make it a reality and to go and resur- resurrect it. And, uh, and I think that that's really something that, that is truly inspiring for me whenever I see it. It's not about, you know, somebody offering you an opportunity and say, Hey, come and do this. And then you're saying, yeah, sure. But it's about, you know, saying, okay, there's something here that bothers me. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. I'm not going to think too much. I'm just going to go and do it because it's a part of me and I have to. Nimrod, for your time. Everyone thinks that it's impossible to do that. It's much more fun to do that. <laughs> I'll take that advice. Nimrod, thank you for being so generous with your time. Uh, the, most, the most important question that I have is three words that you would use to describe yourself. Well, first red, because that's the color of a Poirot gun, I guess. Uh, secondly, people. I really, I really love people, and I like to hang out around people and to learn from people and uh, stuff like that. 
And uh, maybe the third uh, part is fun, you know, not taking ourselves too seriously, try to have fun no matter what we do, no matter if we're doing well or not, try to have fun along the way. I mean, life is too short. I love it. Nimrod, תודה רבה, and stay תודה. safe and stay healthy. Thank you. Bye-bye.